the problem that we discovered during the, the airbike journey is how much time people spend at managing these two systems and trying to work around the deficiencies of paid and closed source products by just building the same thing on the side. And we said, okay, the thing we want to do with Airbyte is to have the best of both worlds, one where you'd never have to worry about how do you do data integration. But if for any reason the platform we provide does not have what you do, what you need, you can actually build something within the platform and you can actually get the help of the of the community to just make your connector better, make the maintenance easier. I'm Michel Tricot and I'm the co-founder and the CEO of Airbytes. Very glad to be on the MongoDB podcast. Welcome to the show. My name is Michael Lin and this is the MongoDB podcast. Are you struggling with data integration challenges? Join us today in this fascinating episode as we explore the ins and outs of Airbyte, an innovative open source data integration platform with its co-founder, Michel Tricot. Michel delves deep into the driving forces behind Airbyte and how the platform aims to simplify and democratize data replication across a diverse set of sources and destinations. You'll uncover the inner workings of Airbyte and how it's revolutionizing the process of data integration, making it accessible and efficient for developers. Learn how Airbyte is leveraging the power of generative AI and language models like GPT to create better connectors and documentation, empowering developers to seamlessly integrate data with minimal effort. Stay tuned. Well, Michel, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you on the show. Thank you, Michael. Uh, so let's dive right into it. Who are you and what do you do? Yeah, I'm Michel Trico, I'm the, the CEO of Airbyte, and we're basically an open source data company, and we help our customers move data from point A to point B. I'm a pro-risk, you can tell from my accent, I'm originally from, uh, from France, but I've been living in the U.S. for the past 12 years and always been in the data space uh, side with small scale data, internet scale data, IoT scale data, and now Airbyte. And prior to starting Airbyte, you had started some, some other companies. So I did not start it per se, but I was part of the, always part of the very, uh, very early team or founding team. Uh, I was pretty early in the live room, uh, um, at the live room company back in 20, 2011. And in 2017, I joined another startup called RideOS and same here. I was part of the first five uh, people at the company. So mm. been through the, the very early stage of companies uh, since uh, I almost started my, my careers and just mm. going through hypergrowth or going through acquisition, et cetera, et cetera. I'm curious about your transition from being in the transportation space, always focused on data, but moving from LibRamp to RideOS. And now you're focused on data integration. How did you come to, to make that shift? Yeah. So there always been a backbone to all of that, whether it was LiveRamp, whether it was RideOS, whether it's Airbytes. And also before that, when I was in Paris and working in Paris, in FactSet, it's always about data. So FactSet was about financial data. LiveRamp was about internet scale customer data. And RideOS was about self-driving data. So getting probes information, traffic information, map information, and just how do you bring all this data into one place and how do you make it something that people can extract value out of it, people can use into their product. So the, it's always been the common theme. Whether it's a transportation industry, data was always my, my fundamental here. Hmm. Tell me about the transition and, and beginning to think about starting Airbyte. What was the initial inspiration? Yeah, so... 
first of all, I, I've always wanted to, uh, to start a company and I've tried a few times, but it was always as small side projects. Uh, even when I was a student, I, I tried that and it was just small, small projects, small products. And the, the thing that happened with, uh, with, uh, with Airbyte is I really built a lot of expertise during my time at Clivram around the complexity that organizations face whenever they need to access data. Whether, because data is always siloed into some place, whether it's an API, whether it's a database, mm -hmm. whether it's a spreadsheet, whether it's a file. And actually by also moving to RideOS uh, in 2017, I realized that the type of systems that I was building or that my teams were building were always the same. Just how you monitor it, how you create framework to uh, get more silos uh, broken down. And at some point I was, okay, I'm solving the same problem over and over again. I know that every single company is doing exactly the same thing. Let's figure out uh, a solution that anyone can use. And that's how, that was the, the problem space we wanted to solve when we started there by just making data integration something that is a solved problem. We did not have a product when we started. It was really an idea and a problem space. But yeah, that's how, that's why, how we come up to it. What was the beginning of Airbyte like? Did you start writing code from scratch? Did you, did you start leading teams first? How did it begin to manifest? Airbytes, we officially started it in January 2020. Uh, but of, you, of course, it started a little bit before in terms of discovery, uh, et cetera. But January 2020, we did, we, we had an idea about a problem space, but you had no idea about what a solution could be. And what we did over the first three months of this year was just, let's talk to as many data teams as possible, as many marketing teams as possible. At the time we were also talking to, uh, we are still figuring out where should the, the product be. And yes, we, we started by writing code. Um, now to be clear, there is zero piece of code that we wrote in January 2020, that is still alive uh, today at Airbyte because we pivoted the project quite a bit uh, in the first six months, and so yeah, we started to uh, to write code. We I, I was joined by three like super uh, talented engineers that I worked with in the past, and uh, and of course my my co-founder John, and yeah, that's uh, that's how we started. So small team, extremely efficient, a lot of code that we trashed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I guess you have to write some bad code in order to get to the good code, right? <laughs> exactly. So how have the trends in data integration changed since those early days of thinking about how Airbyte can help? Yeah. So whenever we talk to teams about data integration, what we always see is that they always have two motions. One is they build tooling internally. Uh, meaning that, yeah, they have teams that are dedicated to just pulling data from different systems and just centralizing it, whether it's on Mongo, whether it's on Postgres, whether it's on data warehouses. And the other one is they are buying tools to do that. And, but they rarely use one or the other. They always use a mix of both. Uh, one thing that we've, and the, the reason is very simple. It's just one system will support some connectors. And if they don't have it, they are going to build it themselves. 
And that was actually the problem that we discovered during the, the Airby journey is how much time people spend at managing these two systems and trying to work around the deficiencies of paid and closed source product by just building the same thing on the side. And we said, okay, the thing we want to do with Airbyte is to have the best of both worlds, one where you'd never have to worry about how do you do data integration. But if for any reason the platform we provide does not have what you need, you can actually build something within the platform and you can actually get the help of the community to just make your connector better, make the maintenance easier, et cetera. So that's, that was really the, that's, and that's a shift we've seen. And when we see the user we have today on Airbytes is they are often ditching their homegrown system or their vendors and just using Airbyte as a centralized platform for data integration. And when they need something specific, they just build for the specificities. They don't need to set up cron monitoring and things like that. So it's all part of the platform and it can run in their infrastructure if they have like in black red line around where the data can go. So how do I begin to leverage the capabilities that are provided by Airbyte? Is it a, a framework, an SDK? Is there a web interface? Basically the getting started for Airbyte is it's, it's a, it's Docker containers. You pull your Docker images, you can run it. And the first experience you will have is yes, a UI and that's just the, 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 the one side of the iceberg, but then you have all the, the platform that runs behind it, which is how do we schedule, how do we monitor, how do we deploy multiple, uh, like workers to, to replicate data. And then you also have what we call the CDK, the connector development kit. And this is more the tooling that we put in place to help developers build new connectors or enrich existing ones. But by default, when you pull Airbyte, you have access to what? 300 connectors out of the box and, they, and then the tooling to just make them better, create your own, etc. So really both things. And Docker containers are getting started. Then you have also the, the Kubernetes scalable deployments. But um, yeah. Is there a software as a service component to Airbyte? Yeah. So one thing we want to do with, uh, with Airbyte is it's recreating this platform where all the data can flow and not everybody knows how to deploy open source software, uh, whether it's on Docker, whether it's on Kubernetes. So we actually have a version of Airbyte that we call Airbyte Cloud that people can also use if they don't want to use the, the open source version or if they don't know how to operate open source software. But you can, you can choose. And what's interesting is actually we've seen some of our customers, they're using a mix of both sometimes. And it will also depend on what data they're trying to replicate. So if they're putting data from, I don't know, Facebook ads or something like that, they can do it on cloud. Sometimes they want to replicate sensitive information from product databases, maybe also very high volume. And that's one point where they start using the open source solution because it's within the safety of their cloud, of their uh, infrastructure, and they have to control on the throughput, on the speed uh, directly. And how are we working together, MongoDB and Airbyte? Yeah. 
So mango for Airbyte comes in two flavors. One is mango as a source, and the other one is mango as a destination. And when it's a source, in general, it's for what we call an analytics use case, which is some like a company has relevant product data within Mongo, and they want to move that data into a data warehouse and let analysts, um, analytics engineer, actually extract insight from this data. And they want to have this incremental upgrade of an update of the data. And that's the first use case. Now we also have a more operational type of use case where people are building application and they are using Mongo as their central place for data management and, and as a central database. And they want to pull data from other sources, which is, I don't know, if you're building an uh, examples that we have actually are people that are building analytics for small Shopify store. And they are using Shopify, um, Mongo as their uh, source of trust for data, but they are pulling data on behalf of their customer from Facebook, from Shopify, from a lot of other services. And that's one place where they import all the data and shove it into, uh, into Mongo. And then they build their application on top of Mongo. So we're just feeding all this external data directly into Mongo. These are the two use cases that we see. Okay. So an ETL and an operational use case. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Are there a set of common use cases that people come to you with for use with Airbyte? Yeah. The, the main one is like today, the, the, the one that is dominating is really analytics use cases, which is I'm a company and I'm starting to invest in my internal data stack. Uh, I want, I have a few analysts. I have some ops people within my company that need to have access to data. I just bought like Snowflakes or, or BigQuery and I need people to just be able to self-serve, create analytics, create dashboard. And first problem they always face is always, okay, I have all this data. How do I get it into Snowflake? How do I get it into BigQuery? And that's when Airbyte comes into play. Uh, there are of course, some other solutions, but Airbyte is, uh, is really one of the, yeah, one of the top solutions for just getting started and feeding this data. Um, I would say this is the, 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 the dominant use case. Um, and the other one is, yeah, operational, which is what we call powered by Airbyte, which is companies that are building a product and they need this connectivity layer to pull data on behalf of their customer into their product. And that's one place where, yeah, we're starting to see a lot of traction and yeah, we're investing more on providing better tooling for, for this type of use case. What's on the roadmap? So to, to Airbyte is still a, a fairly early project. I mean, we, like, although the company was started officially in January, 2020, the product and the project only started in July, 2020, and we did the first release end of 2020. Uh, so still fairly early in the journey. So right now we're still very focused on what we call the table stake features for a data integration product, which is strong connectors, uh, fast connectors as well. 
connector development kit and everything that goes around monitoring um, and reliability and scalability of the system. Now, when we're thinking about the future roadmap, there is a lot that we want to build on top of this table stake, and that will come from like security features um, that will come from more real-time data ingestion. That's something today we do what we call micro batches, which is every, you can run every five minutes and you replicate every five minutes, but we want to have a more real-time type of replication. We also want to do what we call reverse ETL, which is once you process data, I don't know, let's say within Mongo, you have data you've created, you have enriched data within Mongo. How do you push that data into a Salesforce so that your sales team can make decisions based on the data that is living in Mongo? And how do you reverse the ETL process? And that's something that we're getting a lot of um, yeah, pull from the, from the community and from our customers. It has to be really fast. It has to always work. I mean, it's data infrastructure. So the same way people never wonder if a server is going to work or crash or not, they assume the server is going to work. Airbyte needs to be in a very similar state. So we continue to invest in resilience, self-repairing uh, system and, uh, and reliability and scalability. Mm. As you were describing some of the things that you're focusing on for the future, I couldn't help but think of how Airbyte seems to compare to the streaming space. Yeah. So it does in, in a way. Um, whenever I think about streaming, it's really a matter of what is the latency of the data that you actually need for your system. And in general, streaming systems have some inherent complexity on how you operate them because they often work out of real-time data. And if for any reason this system goes down, you're losing data that you cannot recover. And that's why we've taken this approach of micro-batches for now because it simplifies operation of Airbyte. And it also simplifies, you, you don't have surprises. You know that you will not miss data. Whereas with streaming, if it goes down, boom, the data is, is gone. You, you, can't, you can't get it anymore. Uh, now, there are sources that are streaming by nature, and this is something we want to be able to, uh, to address. Uh, but yeah, we want to get as close as possible to a, a streaming system, but without all the, all the pain that comes from operating a streaming system. Mm. So at the risk of talking about something that's already been saturated, I, it feels like everybody is talking about chat GPT mm -hmm. and, and generative uh, artificial intelligence. Are these things in your thought space, especially in the product set for Airbyte? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so not for data generation, because I mean, you cannot generate data, but we definitely, we, we're definitely investigating uh, a few areas. The main one is really around how can we leverage uh, ChatGPT and LLM to create better connectors. So it's more a help for the developer and it's more help for the, for the platform to make sure that we, uh, we can almost like automate the creation of connectors or we can automate the creation of documentation. 
so this is one area that is very real for us because that's one of the crux of what the value we provide as, as, a, as an open source project and, and as a company. The other one will probably be more in the, in the future, which is, can you do data mapping automatically with ChatGPT, where you say, this source has this schema, this destination has this schema, give me an automated mapping between this record on that side and the record on this other side. So this is something we're still, um, this is, uh, this is something, yeah, we're still, uh, investigating the one for connector is, is very real. That makes sense. And, and I think that's the closest space that you'll begin to really provide value to your developer community. Yeah. What are some companies that you admire in the software space? Obviously we, we're a big fan of, of Mongo. <laughs> I mean, we always, we always look at Mongo as, um, one of the companies that has led the way for what I would call more modern, um, open source approaches, then I would say like GitLab also is a, is a pretty, is a pretty good one, because if you think about it, we're very much in a similar situation as they are, which is they started as open source. There was a very big, very strong closed source, uh, solution around GitHub and they managed to just get a very successful open source project up, the, up off the ground and build a very successful business around it. So for us, it's, of course, it's confirmation bias for us, which is, yes, you can have very successful closed source businesses. And we see that as, yes, how can open source disrupt these existing businesses and bit by bit take over the, the market. So that's, uh, yes, of course they are in the, in, in the open source space because we like to see what patterns, what, uh, what, what learnings they've had, but, uh, this would be true. So are you concerned about some of the things that, that obviously concerned MongoDB when we made the choice to shift our open source licensing, the concern around a larger hyperscaler taking the functionality that Airbyte provides and providing that in some type of service? Is that, is that a concern for you? Yeah. So th th this has always been something we've thought about, you know, when we started Airbyte, hundred percent of the, the project was MIT license. And we need to look at the Airbyte project and there are really two pieces to it. One, which is connectors, which some of the connectors are built by the Airbyte team, maintained by the Airbyte team. And some of the, the, the other connectors are also built by the community. And this is one place where we have no strong opinion around licenses, which is we want to let our community decide what license they want to put on their project, uh, on their connectors. They want that to be MIT, if they want that to be Apache, if they want that to be BSD, wh whatever they want. The place where we've actually changed the license from MIT to something else was on the platform. So everything that is operating these actual connectors, what we wanted to do, we had just one, one or two requirements. The first one is we want people to continue to be able to use Airbyte for every analytics use case that they have. We don't want to be a blocker for adoption within companies. Now, the other thing was, 
of course, we're building a company and we want to build a successful business. And we've always been very uh, transparent with, uh, with our community when we started. And this is one place where we, we switched to um, the Elastic B2 uh, license. I think it was in 2021. But it gives you a lot of freedom as, as a user, but it makes sure that we can capture a lot of, of the value so that we can continue to grow the project, grow the community and, and continue to invest. But we, we thought about that and, but we've been very specific about what is the ELV2 and what is not and leaving a lot of the choice actually to the community. You've had a lot of experience in early stage startups. What advice would you have for others thinking about starting or maybe those that are actually in the process of starting something? Yeah. yeah. I would say the, the thing that is the, the most important, there is a lot of ups and downs when you start a company and we, people are there. There is a very romantic aspect to starting a company. And for me, it was really about finding all these forcing all these forcing things that just push you forward. Because there was these are moments that are very, very hard. Like for us, for example, we started a company three months after COVID. Like no, I can, and you cannot ask advice to any founders about, hey, how do you deal with a global pandemic? No, nobody knows. And this is the kind of lows that hit you and you need to find, okay, what is pushing me forward? And you need to find this mechanism. It can be, well, you've taken money from investors, so now, you're accountable for that. Or it can be, well, um, I've set aside this amount of cash from my own personal, uh, from my own personal savings to give myself one or two years to do something. So you need to find these things where all the local laws don't make you stop. Um, the other one is to be extremely honest with yourself. It's very easy to just have this hyper positive um, uh, view of the world, but you need to be honest with yourself, which is if you see that some metrics are not moving, but others are moving, but these metrics don't matter. Don't look at them as successes. They are not successes. They are just fake metrics. Look at the one that actually matters. And if they don't move, then be honest with yourself. Yes, these metrics are not moving. So you need to find something else or to do something else or to do things differently. So for me, that's the two things is to really be extremely honest with yourself and yeah, don't uh, like find, find your fuel uh, because it's hard. Uh, it's very hard, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's very enjoyable as well. So are there a common set of metrics that developers or startup founders should look to? I think it depends on where you are as a stage of your project. You know, for example, I'm going to take Airbyte as an example. Before we started Airbyte, we had another project that was more geared toward marketing teams. And when COVID happened, actually, all the marketing team and budgets got frozen. So we're still, we had some good metrics initially where people were starting to pay, people started to install the software onto their website. But then when COVID started, these metrics stopped moving. But we kept having calls, we kept having people visiting, people signing up, but nobody was converting. But we are just looking at that as, oh, things are still pretty good. But when you look at what matters, that was not. Like people were not implementing the software, people were not paying, people were not having like proper sales conversation. 
Now for, for Airbyte open source, we, I think we had different stage in the, at the company. Uh, initially it was around how many stars do we get? Because although it's a vanity metric, people look at stars as if people are using you or you have some kind of traction. When you adopt an open source project, you want to make sure that the project is going to be here for a long time. And there are two metrics for that. First one is, like, is it getting some good awareness, stars, and is it getting contributors? So for us, one of the key metrics was contributors and stars very early on in the project because we wanted to build a community. We wanted to build advocates for Airbyte and, and people who help us build. After that, it also became how many daily active users do we have of Airbyte? So how many people have actually taken Airbyte, put it into their stack and are using it? Today, we have about 3,000 daily active users of Airbyte. And this is a metric that we look at extremely closely because it shows that people care about the product and people go above and beyond to make sure that the product is successful inside their, their organization. And of course, after that, we also released cloud and it started with, okay, are people able to activate on cloud? Like, do we have a product that people understand where documentation is good enough that people can go from configuring a source, configuring a destination, making the data flow between the two. And of course, after that, you have revenue Are people paying for the product. But if people are, for example, are not paying for the product, are you building the right product? No. If they are paying, yeah. Let's double down on this. So it, it really depends on the stage and what you're optimizing for the stage. What is the revenue model for Airbyte? Yeah. So one thing we, we launched Airbyte Cloud back in uh, April, 2022. And I would say the first quarter was really tuning a few things on cloud. I think Mongo probably knows that better than we do, but building a cloud product is extremely hard. Uh, <laughs> and it takes a lot of iteration takes a lot of, uh, uh, it takes a lot of work. So for us, the first quarter was really, yeah, fixing a few things, uh, making sure that people have a good experience. So we, cloud is the first model for, for monetization because we want to make sure that people would not want to operate Airbyte, but still want to use Airbyte because we want to make sure that Airbyte is a brand for every person in the data space. So. Cloud becomes this really this catch-all for people who cannot use Airbyte open source. And yeah, for us, it's, uh, it's the, the first focus on, on monetization is cloud. And now the other thing that we've also been doing in parallel, which is uh, more around helping on support for Airbyte and things that are going to come in the next few months are more features on top of Airbyte open source. But support is a key one for all our open source deployment. What would you like to make sure that listeners know about Airbyte? Uh, that's a, uh, I mean, I think it's got a pretty large breadth of, of Airbytes. We've covered a lot of topics and I feel like I have a great understanding of what Airbyte is, how it works, but how can developers begin to learn more? Where would you like to send listeners to learn more about Airbyte? Yeah, the first thing would obviously be our Slack, uh, our Slack community. We have a pretty, a pretty large one. We have about 13,000 people on our Slack. And this is a place where one, you can meet with other people that are using Airbyte and just create a relationship with people that 
are using Airbyte or that are interested in the data space. And the other one is also a place where you can get uh, help from either our teams or from the community on how you operate Airbyte or how you build connector. And of course, last one is going to be our documentation slash GitHub, which is, this is what the project is. And the document, we, we're putting a lot of effort in the documentation to make sure that yeah, people can onboard in Airbyte uh, fairly autonomously. And we try to gather people around documentation and Slack, basically. I'll include links in the show notes. If you're listening and you're interested and want to get links to some of those resources and areas of information that we just mentioned, check the show notes. Michel, this has been a great discussion. I want to thank you for spending time with us. Yeah, thank you very much, Michael. Thanks so much to Michelle for joining us today. Centralize all your data in minutes at airbyte.com. You can try Airbyte Cloud for free. Check the show notes for links. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day.